reached the top and had to stop and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man, man cop. What's going on everybody? We are back. The Mouse Madness Boys with another mini episode. It's a movie review and we are talking about the recent Disney live action picture Cruella. Yeah. I mean, we've been waiting for this movie for a while. This is the first movie I think that was anticipated to be released in the theaters that had to be pushed back uh, from its initial release. And so uh, May of 2021, if you're listening way in the future, is when it ended up getting released. We didn't quite know how it was going to be released. It, we were thinking maybe they're going to do just premiere access as they'd been doing all pandemic, but things are opening up. So would they go to theaters? And it turns out they did both. So there is a you could buy it on Disney Plus for 30 bucks or whatever for premiere access, or you could go into theaters to check it out. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy that they were able to start getting into the theaters for people that like it. And we'll see if this is a model that they continue on, if they're going to do a release or if they're going to shorten the window of theater only. I don't know. This was a really, really interesting case, and I'm really interested in seeing just how it pans out for them. So uh, we've been dropping like little production photos, little teaser trailers, little full length trailers into our uh, Mouse Madness Discord group. And this is uh, has been a topic of conversation for a long time. This movie, it feels like years. Uh, so I'm glad that it like finally came out. It, it was a roller coaster. We were like, oh, it looks great. Uh, maybe it doesn't look great. It yeah. could be great, but I don't know. So um, I'm really excited to dive into it and talk to you about it. Um, I want to start by asking you kind of about like how you went into this movie and what you were thinking, because obviously you're the 101 Dalmatians king. So like just how hyped were you for this or like how tempered were your expectations? Yeah, totally. So I'll I'll go ahead and also start by saying that we'll keep this fairly spoiler free up until we start talking about things that we like or don't like. Uh, so you have some buffer here to listen to our expectations and then we'll give you a moment to to stop the podcast if you haven't seen it and you don't want anything spoiled once we start getting into the nitty gritty. So, I mean, going into this, you you mentioned things getting shared to the Discord. I think a lot of it might have come from me and it was (laughs) that kind of seesaw effect for me, right? Like there were some moments where I was like, yo, this looks like it's going to be so gritty and so good. And the first promo photo that we got was her, was Cruella, Emma Stone holding the Dalmatians and they're all like rabid and and barking at the camera. I was like, this is going to be so sick. And then we get like the first teaser trailer and I'm like, oh, maybe it's not going (laughs) to be as sick. It was like not as gritty. It didn't really give us a ton. I mean, it was a teaser, so they're not always going to, but it was really hard to tell what they were trying to accomplish with this movie. We knew it was like essentially a Cruella origin story, but this thing takes place in 1970s. Uh, and so it's like, what actually is this movie going to be in? Like how far before 101 Dalmatians is it going to span? So I can't say that I was not hype. Like I was very, very excited to get this film, uh, being the 101 Dalmatians fan that I am and how much I love Cruella's absolutely psychotic character who you really want to learn more about because you don't know a ton about her, right, in in the animated movie. So it was going to be really cool to see, like, how did she become who she is, uh, even if this one takes place in the 70s? Like, how, why is she the way she is? Why does she not like Dalmatians? Why is she friends with Anita? Why is Anita still friends with her? Like, 
why does Roger hate her? Like all of these answers that we don't necessarily need could be really cool to find out if they can do it tastefully. So I came in with my expectations managed, but very, very excited to see it. Um, so I, don't, I know you didn't ask this yet, but I saw this in theaters. So that was also part of the hype was this is my first movie in theaters since the pandemic began. And the last one I saw in theaters was Onward. So, <laughs> oh, I, was, no. so I was like, man, I can't go 0 for 2 in these, in these <laughs> in theater experiences uh, 14 months apart. Um, so it was really good to be back in theater. Went to the local movie house. So it's not like AMC, high quality, you know, big booming system. Right. It was like right. you're... you're almost like a small town movie house. It's the oldest theater here in Oakland. So uh, went to that to watch it. And it was just really cool to be back in that environment. I also went to see it alone. So that was something also different was just me being able to like sit there and like mentally critique things or really, really enjoy them in my own mind without having like to react to them with whoever's next. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it was good. I had a, I had a very uh, good theater experience. Chris, what were your expectations kind of going into this? What were your thoughts? And then how did you watch this movie? My fears were similar to like what you were talking about. These are answers to questions we never had. Right. Uh, that pops up for me whenever I see a movie like this come out, like the solo Star Wars movie. Like, I don't really <laughs> right. care what Han Solo was up to. Like, we already know everything we need to know about this supporting character. So obviously I was skeptical. So I was really hoping that the movie would do something to make me want to watch it uh, mm. or sit through it or finish it or watch it again. Um, I, so I had low expectations, honestly. Um, okay. I'm not, not the biggest Dalmatians fan. Don't hate it, but it's not in my top 10 probably. Yeah. We haven't had a great live action Disney movie, I feel like, in a long time. These live mm-hmm. action remakes just do not do it for me. And it seems like that's kind of like their their one trick right now to get people yeah. into the movie theaters. And they all seem so ridiculously overdone. Hmm. I think the last live action Disney movie I really enjoyed for just being like a unique, uh, totally done right piece was Saving Mr. Banks. And that's, you hmm. know, six years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, Maybe more, maybe more like seven. Yeah, way longer than that, yeah. <laughs> and then, and, I mean, and then before that, you have to go back to like Pirates of the Caribbean to to get sure. a mo- the first Pirates of the Caribbean to get, you know, just like original, I mean, not entirely original, but just ideas that are executed at like the right level, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. Look at movies like A Wrinkle in Time. It's like, hey, this is so like bloated and unnecessary, Totally. Um, and then on the kind of on the other side of the coin, you've got these Disney Plus movies that no one watches, like Star Girl or Magic Camp, stuff that's just kind of like throwaway your modern day mm-hmm. decom type stuff. So um I was hoping for kind of like a a new vibe, I think, like new live action vibe for for this movie. Some context. I, I really liked Maleficent. I, I right. went into that movie with really low expectations and I was really happy with the way that it painted that character in a new light um, and kind of like offered some new lore. So I was looking for something kind of like that, that, that wasn't super canonical. Um, I wasn't gonna be like, oh, I can't believe they made Anita something, something, something or, sure. you know, I, I can't believe they made uh, Cruella meet Horace and Jasper in that way. That would never happen. Like I'm, right. I'm hoping to 
you know, do the opposite of that and be like, whoa, this is totally different and ridiculous. Uh, really, the only common thread is the name of the character. Right. So uh, I watched it on Premiere Access. It's so funny because I'm normally the theater guy and you're the Premiere Access guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, summer summer's a busy time for uh, baseball boys. So I had to watch totally. it on Premiere Access. Forked down $30 and you warned me. You were like, be careful. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if you're going to like it. Uh, right. So I I pulled the trigger anyway. So uh, your impressions, overall impressions of the movie without digging into spoilers and details. Uh, what did you think? Yeah. So um, overall, I came out of the theater very perplexed. And I was just like, I didn't understand some of the choices that they made in the movie. Uh, one being length and then two being plot points of not only Cruella, but of the her nemesis, basically. And then also the abandonment of plot from Horace and Jasper a little bit. I came out a little perplexed on why they tried to write the story that way, um, as well as some other very specific critiques that are a little spoilery. So I'll dive into it when I talk about the things I liked. So I walked out of it giving it like a 6 out of 10. Wow. Um, and that's fairly low for something that I'm hype about, like 101 Dalmatians. But since then, and I texted you after I watched it or after uh, a few days, I was like, I can't stop <laughs> thinking about this film, like running it back. And I'm like, do I just buy it on Premiere Access? Do I just rewatch <laughs> it? Like, oh, man, do I go just go back into the theater and watch it twice for the same amount that I would have if I just bought Premiere Access? Like, so. I uh I definitely like want to see it again. I definitely will watch it again. Um especially cuz Nina hasn't seen it. And so overall, it exceeded my expectations but left me wanting more. And I'll explain. It'll make so much more sense once I can tell you why. Uh Chris, after viewing it, did it meet your very low expectations? Um, I or- I personally think it exceeded my very low expectations. And nice. I mean, that I don't know if that's a testament to the movie being good or just how low my expectations were for sure. it. Um, the length, hands down, is the biggest problem I have with it. This movie yeah. is two and a half hours. I think they could have done it in 90. Like I was Easy. ready for the movie to be over. It felt Same. like there were three. The movie could have ended three different times. Yeah. Um and and we can talk about those times when we get into spoilers, but it just the first two acts I was good and then by the third one I just kind of stopped caring and and it was solving the issue that I had the most problems with in the plot. If that makes yeah. sense. Yep. It was a plot point will. I didn't think was necessary and they they went all in on it in the third act I'm like I don't really care anymore. Right. So uh I think the the big thing for me that stood out was just the style. Um, I know you said it's not really gritty. I don't think it's gritty, but I did think it felt super authentic. You know, it didn't oh, feel yeah. like oh, yeah, it I was agree. it was overdone or anything no. like that. There was no outrageous CGI or like, you know, stupid acting. Uh, yeah, it th- felt this, real. Yes, the director, the writing, uh, they knew what they were doing. The the costume team, makeup, uh, hair. I wouldn't be surprised if this wins. Uh, an award for costuming like until we see some period piece that comes out that is super extravagant like this was so well done in the costume department and even things like the cinematography and just like the frame composition and the editing 
this is just a movie. If you're someone who likes movies, there will be a lot for you to like about Cruella. Uh, story mm-hmm. stuff aside. So I think it's absolutely worth a watch. Is it worth $30? I don't know. I might wait until it comes out on like normal Disney plus freebie, but um, I'm, I'm not disappointed at all by any means. Good. Good. So, so I guess let's go ahead and dive into some of those details. We'll get into some spoilery plot points probably. So if you haven't seen the movie and uh, you want to give it a shot or not give it a shot, uh, exit the podcast now or keep going with us. <laughs> so, uh, Kyle, uh, what are some things that, that you liked in, in detail? Okay. So first and foremost, the acting in this was phenomenal. Yes. The, the Emma's and their chemistry and their, their ability to work off of each other was so, so good. Um, Emma Thompson was so evil in such a real way. Right. She's not like this caricature of a high powered CEO of this uh, fashion company. She's like who we could expect to run a a high end fashion company and then put some more evil into it. Um, Obviously, the parallels that they're drawing here is that her psychoticness is really Cruella and that Estella, who's our Emma Stone, took a ton of her cruelness. Emma, uh, Emma Thompson's, whose character I don't even remember, Baroness. Baroness, uh, yeah. Baroness. The Baroness's, uh, you know, cruelness is a lot, a big influence into Estella's transition into Cruella. And I thought that was great. I really liked that. Um, especially because it, it, it gives our villain a, a model to go after instead of just like, it was a flip in the, in a, of a switch in the brain and now they're just evil or they're just like crazy, you know? Totally. So, so the acting in it was great. Horace and Jasper were fantastic. Um, Jasper was very, very good. Uh, I just thought it was great. I was really, really worried about Horace and Jasper when they came on. And like, I'm mm-hmm. not a huge Horace and Jasper fan, like to begin right. with. And I'm like, they're just going to be these over the top, like goofy decom, stupid sidekicks. And everything, it was subtle. All the comedy yeah. was really subtle in this movie. All of the acting was really subtle and on point. Uh, so yeah. I absolutely agree with you on that. Number two, diversity, baby. They finally did <laughs> yeah. it, right? Like I've been complaining about this for so long. And this cast was so diverse in its uh, makeup. I mean, Anita and Roger being people of color, Jasper being a person of color, the Baroness's like, little right-hand man guy, person of color. They have um, the owner of the like secondhand store being this like LGBTQA person, like phenomenal, right? Um, so I, and I thought they did it well. No, no one was a caricature of the race that they came from. And that's, I think, is when you get really messy. And so like kudos to Disney for finally doing it by just casting roles for actors to play instead of trying to shoehorn them into something. Um, so I thought that was fantastic. You already brought it up how much you liked how it was kind of shot, not super like gritty, but just the stylistic choices that they made throughout the film, I thought was fantastic. Uh, you get to see like these characters and not only a different, uh, time frame, but a different context completely, especially in like the realm of the seventies where it's like, you know, Roger in the original movie and he he transitions there later on in this one, but like Roger in the original movie is writing jingles and it's very like, you know, early thirties, like uh ragtime kind of songs. And like 
everything here was 70s rock and that added the to the flavor of of the kind of you know quote unquote grittiness of the movie so i really liked it um two more things that i really liked and i think one of them is one that you didn't care about anymore but the one of the plot points was that estella saw that the baroness had her mother's necklace and she wanted that necklace back so they put together this like ocean's 11 heist to get the necklace back and it was the big cruella reveal it's the big like her her dress catches on fire and it's a quick change and she's in right. her like red dress freaking awesome dude i loved that scene that actually uh was was my favorite of like kind of the three huge plot okay. points was the necklace okay. um okay. because i thought it was simple enough that it was believable you know okay. like yeah, you yeah, have yeah. you have this uh woman with a really sensitive ego in estella and she's like that woman took my necklace i'm gonna take it back I'm gonna get it back i'm, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, take yeah. it back from that beat i was like this yeah, is yeah, yeah. see this is a good movie because that would happen in real life the yeah. th- um I'll talk about the part I didn't like. But, okay. But, but I'm yeah, into yeah. the necklace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like it turned slightly slapsticky with the um the distraction being the being Wink the dog, who I love. love so love good. Wink. Love Wink. <laughs> Wink's great. Uh being like a massive rat and and Horace being the exterminator got a little little silly at times, but it never went over the top for me. I thought they always right hit right. that ceiling and they said okay we got to bring it back bring it back because uh, that's not yep. this movie which is like thank goodness you recognize the movie you were making um and then i really like like as much as we kind of crap on montages i was really into the montage of the different ways that cruella was going to be spoiling the baroness's appearances uh at each like fashion event and like the whole like batman-esque the really joker-esque of like this criminals on on the move like when's she gonna strike next kind of kind of thing and to see the different ways that they came up with for her to show up whether it's in the back of a garbage truck that dumps out old dresses that are really one big dress or um (laughs) you know her her standing on top of the car and putting the dress over her but allowing the baroness to peek through the window so it's part of the the display it's just so so good so I loved it. So the acting, the casting, those kind of cool little moments in it um, and and just the way it was shot overall was super enjoyable and super, super on point for me. So I love those. Um, what are some for you, Chris? What did, what did you like about this movie? Yeah, I'll piggyback on that montage thing because the editing was one of my favorite parts of yes. this movie. And uh, during that montage, there are kind of these newspaper article headlines like superimposed in like different like 3D planes Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of the shot. And I mean, yes, we hate montages, but this is a textbook good montage. A a montage should be a compression of time and not a compression of story. And so like just showing all the outfits Cruella's wearing, like we get the picture, but it's not laziness where they're like, Oh, these people just met and now they're in love, but let's just do it in 10 seconds so that, you know, people will believe us. Yeah. Um, another little like editing moment that I loved it was towards the beginning of the movie when 
Estella got the letter from the Baroness and <laughs> it was Horace or Jasper's like, oh yeah, we just kind of like pulled some strings and it was like a shot of him like <laughs> dropping the resume into the... And there was some like really funny like music like sound cue or something. It yeah, was like such it was a, like quick a quick little yeah, just like a bump. <laughs> so funny, like yeah, like you said, this movie has some attitude. Like it's oh, got yeah. some punkiness that I really really liked. And we didn't bring up that that a lot of that attitude and punkiness is because this is a PG thirteen movie. It's yeah. the same like thing with the first Pirates movie. Everyone was like, oh, they're going PG thirteen. And it's that same, and that's and that's another one that's shot very well, edited very well. Like story plot points are are considered obviously the best of the pirates ones. Um, but that it's that same kind of thing for me when I came into this, I was like, oh, PG thirteen, we're gonna get some like, you know, not silly editing, not silly montages, and that's where I met the expectation. So sorry, hijacking it. Keep going. No, totally. Um, the camera movement in a few places was excellent. My favorite shot in the whole movie was an overhead shot of the department store. And then it kind of like comes down into it and does a lap on the oh, floor yes. and then down the stairs. And then like, uh, we want to see where into, she's working and it, right. And she's oh. like scrubbing the toilet. Uh, and that's edited to look like one shot. I'm pretty sure it wasn't because I don't think you can go from like drone to dolly in one <laughs> movement, but uh, it was it was cool. I mean, those are like the types of things I notice in a movie, and I loved that kind of more uh, complicated, sophisticated camera movement style being deployed in Cruella. Emma Stone serving looks one after another in this movie. Yes, absolutely. like every single. I was like, dude, Cruella's gonna be funny looking the whole time, gonna be super goofy, but it was just like fire. Yep. Wig, yep. wig on fire, outfit on fire, <laughs> just like makeup on fire. Every, like every single one. Like, dang. I know. My Emma power rankings is normally uh, Emma Roberts, Emma Watson, Emma Thompson, Emma Stone. But Stone, I think, maybe jumps up a couple spots <laughs> after this movie because I thought she was really incredible throughout yeah. uh, in, in just about every way. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the we kind of talked about... Um, the, not all of the plot points working super well, but I'll just circle back to the necklace thing. And in the beginning of this movie, the the story, save for the prologue, um, was kind of like framed to be this woman, Estella, getting back at the Baroness for being a bee. Right. Once she saw the ne- necklace and was like talking crap about her mom. And it was like an hour of like, <laughs> I'm about to end this man's whole career. <laughs> and, and, uh, like, I love that. Uh, I'm a big fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't know if you watch that show very much, but like that is totally something the gang would do in Always Sunny where like they got clowned by someone and they're going to they're going to do the most to right. get them back. Yep. And um, so I was really into the like revenge aspect of the movie when it was just about revenge. She stole she stole my necklace and called my mom a bee. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. so yeah, those are, those are all of the things that I liked about it. I'm going to, I'm going to do a honorable mention. I sure. thought, I thought that the, um, fan service Easter eggs were done well. I um, missed them. I, I missed Roger when he came on. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh shoot. They said he liked piano. I'm so dumb. Yeah. And then at the end, did you sit through the end credits? 
I did. I okay, did. Yeah. So then we get the kind of like jumping off point into 101 where Cruella, we find out that they get these dogs because Cruella gifts Roger and Anita Pongo and Perdita, um, which is funny. And also like, what? Like, why? Um, but there, there was the um, Horace was sitting in the truck and he was looking out the window and there was the girl dressed in like that. Um, brown kind of 70s cardigan with the long bell-bottom pants and she was walking a long-haired dog and it's the same look as the girl at the beginning of 101 Dalmatians when Pongo's looking out the window at the street and seeing all the people walking their dogs and Horace goes do you ever feel like people look like their pets and it's because in the animated movie they all looked like their pets when they were walking them past the street um and I loved that. I was like, because that's one of the most memorable scenes for me in 101 Dalmatians is the people looking like their dogs as they're walking them down the street. Um, and then the uh, model actress for Cruella was on TV at the beginning of the movie when, or at like after the prologue, when Estella is sitting on her bed and Horace comes in with like the cake to surprise her for her birthday. On hmm. TV, she's walk- watching this black and white movie. And if I had it pulled up, I would be able to tell you who it was. Um, but her name, I think, is like Tara Lou something. And she was the model inspiration for Cruella's animated character down to her laugh. So before the wow. TV turns off, she starts cackling and it literally sounds like Cruella. Um, wow. Oh, here it is. Tallulah Bankhead was mm. the, the mannerisms and even the laugh. and. She was watching Alfred Hitchcock's film Lifeboat. Um, so just a couple. There's like 11 or 12 of them. You can find them online. But I just liked how they were able to do that, um, even up to the way that Estella drives. Very Cruella-like. <laughs> we learned that she never learned how to drive. <laughs> yeah, I guess that explains a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I mean, all in all, before we get into dislikes, I think I liked this mo- movie more than I disliked it. I'd cool. say after one view, it's like an 8.2, 8.3 for me. Uh, okay. I think it, I think it was definitely on the good side. I, at, after watching it and coming out six, six out of 10 and then sitting on it for the past four days or whatever, um, I'm probably bumping that up to like a 7.3 um it's i don't think that it crossed that eight where it's like this is a movie that i'm gonna like show people and like want to watch or tell them to watch uh well i'll tell them to watch it because i think that it's worth watching but uh i don't think that it's like you better go run right out right now and go see it so that's why i think i'm leaving it at 7.3 and it's because of these things that i didn't i was not too fond of we already talked about the time the length of this movie was due to the fact that I felt like they were just trying to do too much for some reason. Uh, they, yeah. they, they, they tried to kind of mislead us the entire way. Um, there were a lot of plot twists in this movie, and it felt like we, we only really needed one if they were going right. to really invest in it. And that's when you find out that uh, the Baroness is really Estella's mom. Um, because everything else was just prolonging us getting there you had um her about to die in the fire and then like oh nope she's gonna survive like of course and then who saved her the dude that like stopped her like baroness's like assistant dude uh 
who turns out to like be good and is going to help them. I didn't need it. Like I felt like that, no. that crew could have done it anyways. And I get that Horace and Jasper were like upset and like weren't going to help her out of this fire because like they were at that point really not okay with her. But like then the rest of the movie, he's like assisting in that big Cruella ball at the end. Uh, it just felt so unnecessary to add that character in as like some good guy. We're, we're trying or like we see as like the good guy. Um, it just felt like they just kept hitting story points. So while we're there, what was the, the like plot point or story arc that you just felt like you didn't need? It was, it was the Baroness murdering the mom. Like that just felt like we didn't need it to sympathize with Estella. I thought her being like a hardworking grubby girl was all we needed to like sympathize with her. And I think, uh, especially with like the conversations we are having right now in 2021 about like uh, workplace behavior and like how uh, superiors are supposed to treat their subordinates, yeah. like having an evil boss, like that is all you need to to have an audience relate to a character. So mm-hmm. I didn't think the the adoption stuff or the the killing of the mom stuff was necessary by any means. So that would chop off the first like 10 minutes of the movie yeah. and the last, you know, 30. Sure. I don't I I think I m- agree with you mostly. I think that in order to pull off that plot twist, we needed to see her die so that we could be convinced that her mother did die and it wasn't just like a tall tale like I always told that my mother died and now I'm in an orphanage and then it's like oops, nope, the baroness is my mother. Like I appreciated it. Um, and then it also kind of led us on to believe that that's going to be why Cruella hates Dalmatians and because the Dalmatians killed her mom. And that, yeah, that, see, that was so goofy to me. That was so goofy to me. That leads me to my next, that leads me to my next point. If you're going to set it up that the dogs killed her mom and we know that Cruella's going to kill puppies in some at some point in her existence or at least want to kill puppies at some point in her existence and you're going to end this movie with her not even leaning towards that then why the why i mean like i didn't want this movie to spin off into another sequel before we get to some sort of other 101 dalmatians remake right i don't need cruella 2 to see how she turns from being wronged again back to the Baroness to getting to the old evil Cruella that is wanting to kidnap puppies. It just felt like they, they, I don't know. She just wasn't psycho enough for me at the end. It, you know, it, it just felt like that's, we didn't get to the Cruella that we know. And that's fine. If that's what we're, we're going for, if this is like the new Cruella, then cool. But they set up in the end credits that we might see them again. Like she gave Roger, Anita, Pongo, and Perdita. I think it's a kind of a catch-22 when you're doing yeah. these villain origin stories because like you need the audience to like the character, but it's an evil person. Yeah, And it's interesting that we are recording this in the midst of our most relatable Disney villain bracket because... Right. We started talking about like how is Disney going to treat their villains in the future when we talk about like is it ethical to depict evil people uh, on screen like truly truly evil people and this might be kind of a way of like offering uh, a more gray type of villain yeah um, which is ironic because Cruella wears black and white <laughs> yeah so wasn't super into it uh, you brought up at the beginning 
that uh they didn't have too crazy of like cgi stuff but unfortunately like a lot of their dogs were cgi'd for most of the movie and it was like so noticeable because the only time they had real dogs is when the real dogs were either just kind of sitting by their side or walking alongside them but anytime they moved into a run or you know any sort of action pose it went to cgi and it was noticeable and disney has had this problem with these dog cgis for so long now and i just kind of wish that they stopped and i get that it's probably like an animal cruelty thing like they don't want to subject these animals to being forced to do these acting things like they used to do which is fine and i totally get it um but it just is disappointing that the technology isn't up there yet (laughs) And, and that i was just being distracted every once in a while when wink looked a little bit different than a real dog wink and then the music i was really really excited to see them try this um taking in pop music because i i couldn't tell you the last movie in which they did this if there even was one where they just took pop music and made that kind of the soundtrack and the score however it felt like this movie served as the vehicle for the playlist as opposed to the playlist enhancing the movie at points especially when we only got like 15 seconds of a transition of a song and then we went into the next scene it was almost distracting and i knew what they were trying to do like really put us there really put us in the moment get us uh, immersed in the in the world that we are in the 1970s in london but it just felt so unnecessary. It was like, what big hit can we play next? Uh, and then, of course, they had to give Emma her Joker scene where she's like doing the drunk. These boots are made for walking, walking through the store. It just felt that all kind of felt a little corny and almost unnecessary for them to have to include. Yeah, I will piggyback off the music thing. In uh, that moment in particular... I was like, is this them trying to do a Tom Cruise risky business thing? And one of the things I didn't like about Cruella is that it did feel like there were a lot of little moments that were derived from other movies. That being one of them, Mm -hmm. you mentioned the Ocean's Eleven thing. Um, It just, it felt Mm -hmm. a little bit like pastiche, kind of just like borrowing a lot of different things to create this other different, like... Faux 1970s London. I'm not sure pop music ever works for me in in any movie. I think Forrest Gump might be like the one movie Mm. where like the pop soundtrack works because it's about like real actual America, like in and seeing kind of the evolution between the 50s and 70s or whatever it is. Um, I really wish they had just like hit up Machine Gun Kelly and been like, bro, we need you to like score some <laughs> no, weird so like punk stuff. And then, it, so mo- then he'd, he'd say no and they'd be like, Moises, we need you, bro. <laughs> Moises, please save us. Um, And then the, besides the unnecessary pot points, some of the scenes just kind of dragged on and felt unnecessary. Um, Specifically, I'm thinking when we have to see Estella struggle trying to get a hold of her boss to try and get a promotion like that her working in that shop felt so long for some reason because everything was so expected like we knew how this was going to play out we knew that he was going to be rude the entire time and it just felt like those some of those little moments could have had 
three or four minutes chopped off. And if we just did that, then we would have had a more digestible movie by the end lengthwise. Uh, so those are some of the things that I didn't quite like. And I think like the the culmination of all of that from the music serving more, the music taking precedent over the movie at some points, the poor CGI of the dogs, the unnecessary plot twists and plot points, and the prolonged scenes to give us context when we just needed a few minutes of it all kind of lead up to that like, uh, some of the people I know are going to get bored during this movie. Some of the people I know are going to stop caring, kind of like you did like towards the end. It's like, I don't care about this. I kind of just want it to be over because I really enjoyed what we've seen so far. Just killed off the Baroness already. Um, yeah. So I'm excited. Wait, is your... <laughs> so you said like uh, the Ocean's Eleven heist. How about the Mission Impossible uh, fall off the cliff but survive because... Oh my gosh. <laughs> or or it, it was like a, a Captain Jack Sparrow. It was Today is time. the day you almost caught Cruella. Yes, exactly. Oh man. All right, Chris, what are some things uh, that you did not like in this movie? I mean, we pretty much covered all of them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, really, the only thing that is like minor... Uh, we talked about how good Emma Thompson is, and she is good. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong, but she was such an obvious choice for this character. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. It was like they're gonna have a super, super evil, mean boss lady in a Disney movie. Who's it gonna be? It's like it's Emma Thompson, like yeah. slam dunk. You don't yeah. even have to open auditions; she'll take it. <laughs> right, it's probably written for her. Um, I would like to see someone else have a turn. You okay. know, okay. Um, Love her as an actress, but uh, I think it's time for a changing of the guard there. You mentioned it feeling like scenes were dragging. Elizabeth, my sister Elizabeth, when I watched it with her, she was like, does this feel like it's dragging to you? And I was like, I don't feel it dragging at hmm. all. And I was like an hour into it. Um, and I think that's just kind of a tribute to the editing. And I think the the music, honestly, it, I guess I'll say it did one thing good and it was it kept the movie kind of flowing. Okay. Um, as they started a new song, it kind of like re got yeah. your attention. Maybe a good movie always has like one scene to me that stands out like a super important conversation between two characters right, that yes. I, that is like etched in my brain. And this movie just didn't really have that for me. I think there was a moment when she started like talking to the fountain, like she was talking to yeah. her mom and maybe mm -hmm. that was like the big uh, conversation scene. Well, that's and my eyes rolled into the back of my head, yeah. and I spaced out because by then it was like the movie's like two hours and fifteen minutes in. I don't care anymore. And that's the problem with having so many plot points and twists is that these big conversations kept happening, and and then you don't know which one you're supposed to actually care about. Like the the like we didn't even talk about probably because it's not even top of mind. The the Baroness's henchmen gives her a box of things from her mother and that's how she connects the dots that her her the baroness is her mother which triggers this Cruella party that should be fairly memorable and like until we just talked about memorable conversations i've forgotten all about it that was such a joke of a like shoehorn of a plot line right so like convenient <laughs> you know yeah. just have the baroness be like i am your mother that's right. literally all you need yep. you know 
Um, and it would be way more like kind of uh, difficult for Estella to comprehend if it's coming yes. out of her mouth. You know, it's like, is that true? Is it not true? Like, if and it is true, that we don't sucks. even know what to believe. Right. Ex- exactly. It would have been so much more effective. That guy was totally unnecessary and weird. Um, it felt like something they added like later during. It felt like almost. they hit three hours and 15 minutes and they're like, oh, we need to cut something <laughs> down. Let's How go. can we Let's expedite the- it? <laughs> so another like weird conversation that I don't know if I liked it a lot and it was my favorite conversation or one that was like shoot in a miss uh, when she's on the like yeah, uh, terrace with yeah. Jasper, is it? Yep. And there's like a weird little like is are they is like flirting love? with is each the, other yeah. that was kind of weird to me i don't know what they were going for it almost i think what they wanted to do tongue in cheek was show us that this is not what it's going to be like this is not like these two can be friends and on each other's on each other's side without being romantic interests and I think that that love that she shows for him, and I think she even says something like, oh, I love that about you, was said out of camaraderie more than uh, like, lo- like love love. And right, his reaction right. kind of points to that a little bit. And then they, they moved on and we found out that she is named DeVille because that's the car that she drives. <laughs> like th- that's one of those where I'm like, uh, come on, man. Oh man, but I do like how like, I don't know. Yes, I roll for sure. But when they have Horace mispronounce it to devil and then Jasper correct him, I think that's a DeVille. And Corello's like, oh, there's a little pun right there. I think I'm going to adopt that. I get it. Eyes can do backflips. But that's just one of those like, here we go. And then I was hoping she was going to get psycho and she never did. So. I guess like I don't I don't mind the dynamic between Horace and Jasper and Cruella. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of feels a little bit more like equal in terms of like power share. Yeah. Um so it kind of makes me understand the characters in a different way. I don't think they were going for like a true by the book uh like rewrite, you know? Oh yeah. Um if they did, it would be not it would be much more disrespectful and like much less friendshipy. I I think we got hints of that, right? Like Horace and Jasper, mostly Jasper, were tired of Cruella not playing like a team and kind of being a dictator. And I think that that and then by the end, uh, they're kind of all together. But you still feel that Jasper is a little, you know, iffy about whether or not this is the right move for them. So I think that also sets up for Horace and Jasper and like 101 Dalmatians where Jasper keeps saying like, all we got to do is get do this job and we're out of here. Like he's reached the end of the line. He's just going to do this job to get paid and then get out. So I don't know. At least at least it's that and that they didn't go skipping off into the field together. Uh, but I, I see what you're saying. So, I mean, that's all I got. Uh, and I think that's yeah, all you so. got, too. So that is our yep. review of live action Cruella. It is a soft recommend from the Mouse Madness yeah. boys. Yep. Yep. I uh I really hope that we don't get a sequel to just Cruella <laughs> um, because I can't sit through another two and a half hours before getting to a Cruella that we know. We really wish she that she got Psycho. But if you haven't seen it and you are, you know, safe and you're able to go see it in a theater, 
I think that's a really cool experience, especially with the music, uh, to hear it in a theater in the dark, watch this film and watch the phenomenal uh, acting that they put on. Um, And if you can't and you can get it on Premiere Access, maybe not for the 30 bucks unless you're buying for multiple people. It's going to come out on Disney Plus in like two months or something like that. So you, you can catch it then. So uh, what's next for uh, Disney movies? Well, just in a couple of weeks, we got uh, Pixar's Luca, like literally like two weeks from now. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's going to be a freebie, I think. And yeah, uh, we will have a mini episode on that. Yep. And then at the end of July, we've got the live action movie that I have been waiting for for years. It is Dwayne The Rock Johnson in <laughs> yes, Jungle Cruise. Uh, that's gonna be a good. That's gonna be a good mini episode. <laughs> I'm so stoked for that one. Um, there's anything I love more than Zac Efron is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Um, yep. Very high expectations for that. All right, Kyle, take us away. We hope you enjoyed this mini episode, and we hope that uh, you have some feedback for us. If you loved the movie and and you think we're wrong, we want to hear about it because I've been talking to a lot of people who have been giving me a ton of crap for feeling like this was just a mad movie and they loved it so tell me why tell us why if you agree with us what points what what do you think they should have done different hit us up at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com go ahead and find us all over social Pod across twitter instagram facebook we got discord can't wait for the discord homies to hear this episode so that they can pop off in the chat uh, because we definitely want to be talking about this so until next time which will be part two of our most relatable villains bracket we hope you guys have a great weekend